Well, it is a Monday. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny. That is a Grant Bills that has just hit for the cycle. He was at the Brewers yesterday. He listened to three hours of Aaron Rodgers on a podcast on the drive home. Grant, happy Monday. I just hit for the cycle. Happy Monday, Ben. How are you? Welcome back. You know, I, I'm good. I, Mondays are definitely heightened when you get back from vacation and are kind of thrust back into the swing of things. It's a great swing of things, but you know when you get yeah. back from the weekend, you're a little hazy. There's still that uh, sense of being used to doing nothing. That is only heightened by uh, being on vacation in a place where a lot of nothing was done. So now we're right back into it. And, I mean, it's just full go. Football season is upon us. It's, it is it is good to be back. I, I am kind of happy that the Packers played last Thursday, so you had the Friday of reaction. And then today we have since digested a lot of what we saw throughout the preseason. And, I mean, I'm happy the Brewers won two out of three, but I, I feel like we were given a gift of content with what happened on Friday. So this is a toughie for me. I watch Friday night's game, but a lot of Friday nights I don't because I don't have to talk about it the next day. So like I'll take Friday night off. And then if I miss something crazy, I catch up on it on the next day. And I saw the end of the game because my mom texted me, which is that's probably bad. It's like, Grant, are you watching this game? I'm like, no, I'll put it on. I was following along. And then I watched them melt down in kind of the ninth and the 10th. I'm almost glad that we didn't have to go on air the next day and talk about Friday night's game. I'm glad we got a two day buffer, although I doubt that stopped Rowdy and Ebo this morning. I bet they still talked about it as a very fresh wound, I would guess. Yes, it was a topic. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into the entire weekend. Some injury news, some call-up news, where the Brewers stand. Eric Baranchek will join us at 11 o'clock to break down the preseason, break down the final game, as well as everything he saw throughout the period. Uh, That, again, is at 11. A lot of Packers stuff today. Uh, There is some Wisconsin football news that we will hit on as well as a depth chart. We finally have a depth chart. It's game week, and that feels good. We'll get into all that coming up a little bit later. But to start today, Grant, so the preseason's over. I had that come-to moment over the weekend where I thought the preseason was still four games where they're all playing their third game and they're talking on the broadcast about how this is the last go for all of them. I was like, wait, don't they play again next week? But no. Uh, Three preseason games. The preseason is over. The Packers went one and two. They now kick it off in Minnesota. 13 days until the opener against the Vikings. Opening lines right now. Packers opening as a one and a half point favorite on the road. Despite all of the uh, topics that I'm sure we'll get to with starters not playing in the preseason. The Packers have the fourth shortest odds to win the Super Bowl. Second shortest in the NFC. They are minus 190 to win the North. So, I mean, by all accounts, one of the favorites in the NFL, obviously the favorite in the North. Nothing drastic happened during the preseason because we didn't see any of the starters. There were no, uh, which is a good thing, no major injuries to note. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to start by asking the question, what, what did we learn? This isn't last year where, I, I mean, love goes out there, then he gets hurt and it's kind of back and forth. But the big story was Rodgers and how he was back uh, after everything that happened last offseason. It was a smooth preseason this year with a lot of the yeah. backups out there. It definitely seemed to go according to plan with no major injuries and they didn't even need to go put the starters out there. But Grant Bills, what did we learn throughout this three game preseason stretch? Well, from a 10,000-foot view, I'd just like to say to start, I enjoyed this preseason more than I think I've enjoyed a Packers preseason in a while. 
there was a sense of urgency the last couple of weeks with the Packers, even if the starters aren't playing, right? Because you got to get the wide receivers up to speed. You have two first-round rookies on defense and some new players. So even though none of the starters are playing and the team has great odds to do very good this year, there's a sense of urgency. And I think that helped the vibe among Packers fans and among the team. Whereas last year, a lot of veterans coming back. Rodgers was brought back, kind of a successful offseason. So I thought last year they were kind of fat and happy. And as I talked about last week on my show, I think that contributed to that blowout against the Saints, probably more so than anything that did or didn't happen in the preseason. So I like the vibe of this preseason. What did we learn? Uh, Quay Walker is as advertised. We saw him on Thursday night. It's like, all right, dude's fast. He hits hard. He can tackle. That's what we thought. Um, they're very deep on the defensive line and an inside linebacker for the first time in forever. I learned that. And Jordan Love is getting better. I don't know how quickly he's getting better or how much better he's getting, but he is getting better. So that's what I learned. So that second part is my number one story. And maybe I've been higher on Jordan Love than others, but I've had some trouble, especially online, where I see people starting to debate how Love has looked and especially the comparison between Love and Justin Fields, Love and Kenny Pickett, a lot of the young guys that were out there having success. I think the stat sheet, and obviously if you were watching the games, you know what I'm talking about. The stat sheet is is really misrepresentative of what Love actually did on the field, in my opinion, where even that interception, so he goes 16 for 26 against the Chiefs last Thursday, 148 yards, one pick, no touchdowns. Even that interception, there's, what, 16 seconds left in the half, was it a yeah. good throw? No. Was it a good decision? Absolutely not. But it's still a setting where it's the preseason. Go for the, it. He's trying to push it. I, what can yeah. you? What, what do you have to lose in that setting? I'm confident to say in a real game, he would not make that throw or attempt it. You might check it down. They have a timeout. But I think from watching Jordan Love for these three games, I think he is proven to be an NFL quarterback. At the least, an NFL quarterback. At the most, I might go as far as to say this Packers team could make a wild card with him under center for the entire season. Uh, Part of the context around him this preseason, there was obviously most of uh, the second team on the offensive line, mainly with no Bakhtiari and no Elton Jenkins. Zach Tom looked terrific. Uh, They just, the Packers have a great way of finding gold mines in every draft and developing them all into terrific linemen. So that part was fine, but he's out there with Tyler Goodson and Patrick Rogers. By no means is that a great running game to support you. And yeah, Romeo Dobbs and Amari Rogers and some of the young wide receivers are out there, but he is playing in an offense where in the preseason, you don't show anything on film. So LaFleur is not really scheming that well to get guys open for him. He's playing with a lot of the second team, the third team. This also was the first time I believe since he's been in the NFL, that we've seen him start consecutive weeks. Because even when he played in the preseason, he got hurt for a game. And then obviously last year, he played the Chiefs game and then played the Lions game. I I think the continuity throughout this preseason, we saw definitely some rough edges. Uh, The deep ball, the touch wasn't necessarily there on Thursday. There are things he has to refine, but at the base of it, he made plays. He pushed the ball down the field. He was confident. I he's to me at least, he showed that he can be an NFL quarterback, which I guess going to last year, if Rodgers went down or the COVID thing happened, was not confident Love can win games. This year, if Rodgers goes out for two or three games, I'm confident Love can go head to head with almost anybody. I I think yes, I agree. And if I was told today that Rodgers was retiring after this season, 
and that we were going to go with Jordan Love next season, I'd be like, okay, sure. Maybe it doesn't go amazing, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to go terribly. And maybe that's a really poor rationalization because I'm a Packers fan and, and I want that to be the case. I think there's an important distinction. And I think that distinction was made clear last week by two guests who were on our network, Rob Reichel, Mike Clemens. Rob Reichel is saying he's getting better. He could start for five or six teams in the NFL. There are general managers that should be intrigued by him. He's progressing. He's doing good things. Moved the ball in the preseason, put together some good drives. He's getting better, right? Mike Clemens on Bill's show on Friday, I thought made a good point. He's getting better. He's progressing. He didn't pop this preseason. He didn't flash. He improved. He took steps. And I'm watching and I'm nodding along going, hmm, yeah, I like this. I like what I'm seeing. But I wasn't jumping off of my couch. It wasn't like Rodgers against the Cowboys in 2008 when he came in to relieve Favre. And you're like, wow, there it is. I see it. Or Mahomes in the preseason. So I, I think it's an important distinction to make. He's getting better. And I would feel okay if he had to step in and replace Rodgers for a few games. And I might even feel okay about the idea of him starting if Rodgers were to retire earlier than we expect. But I don't feel like it's a slam dunk. I don't know that he popped and flashed like maybe some other quarterbacks have done. That, that's not to say he won't in the future, but we haven't seen that yet. I'm with you there. I, I think if you surround him with enough talent, he could do enough. W mm -hmm. What was interesting to me is the games kind of filed a different script in terms of how he was playing, where he comes out against San Francisco, pushing the ball down the field, taking chances, making some really impressive throws. Then you obviously have those picks and two of them, Definitely, I would say not his fault. Maybe the third is. But anyway, he's confident. He's trying to fit the ball in. I Definitely a big difference from last season. But a lot of that was down the field. He was trying to push the football. He was 13 of 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, three picks in that game. The second game against the New Orleans Saints, he was throwing a lot of checkdowns. He was, he was just stacking completions and moving the chains. He was 12 of 24 in that contest for 113 and one, he kind of showed at least to me that he could do it in different ways where the athleticism's there. He showed some escapability. He showed a better feel overall in the pocket. Uh, and you get that with experience, but that was one of the big differences between this year and last. But then I at least think he also showed that he can, he can go out there and push the ball and make big plays if you need it. Uh, is yeah. it consistent? Not necessarily, but he can do it. And then he can also be a little check down love and just move the chains and, and move the ball forward. But in terms of just being an NFL quarter, that was my big takeaway from the preseason. Like I, yeah. I, I have trouble looking at what we saw on the field and thinking much else aside from just focusing on the quarterback position. And like what I wonder is, and maybe you can answer this, what else did people want to see? Like what else do people need to see from him to be happy about where he's at? Right? Like he's not going to start yeah. this season. In an ideal world, he starts in two or three years, or maybe you trade him and, and get a lot back. I don't know. But I, I wonder what more people wanted to see. Like if he had come out and just lit the world on fire and was unbelievable and you could yeah. say, oh, you know, he might be the next great thing. I don't know if I really wanted that necessarily because Aaron Rodgers is still in Green Bay. But oh, he that showed. I would have been a mess. It would. But he showed enough <laughs> progression to me and enough confidence and enough talent, enough refinement, definitely, for me to be sure. excited about where he can go. I think he's improved a ton, which is a great sign. Um, I think Mike Clemens, again, I'll reference the same conversation he had with Bill on Friday. He compared to what Dak Prescott did as a rookie in preseason, where he's like, wow. It's not just the numbers, because he threw a, a handful of touchdowns. I don't remember if it was the Dolphins. 
uh, or the Saints or some random preseason game. Who even cares? The, the point is, you couldn't ignore him if you wanted because the numbers were so great. And then when you watch the highlights, you're like, wow, that, that guy looks like a legit quarterback. That guy looks like a star. Love didn't do that. Um, it, it's interesting to say that that almost would have been a bad thing because who knows what that would have done to the Packers if Love all of a sudden looks like a superstar and Rodgers is hemming and hawing about retirement, even though he says he won't him and haw about retirement as he him and haws about retirement. I'm not going to become Favre, you know, as he becomes Favre. I, I don't know what that would have done for the Packers. What more could they have done? What more could Jordan Love have done? I don't know. I guess look like a superstar, but is that a numbers thing? Is that an eye test thing? I think he did pretty well with the eye test. I thought of you and watching him the last two times because like, all right, I, I'm seeing it. Even if numbers don't reflect it. It's a good question. What more could he have done? Or what more would we have wanted to do? It's hard to be specific. That's one the people can answer throughout today. 877-867-1670 is how you get a hold of the program. We'll be talking about love. We'll be talking about the preseason throughout today's show. But uh, number one, what did you learn from the team? But number two, if if you are still not thrilled with where love is at, uh, or if you are one of the many Danny Etling riders that think he should maybe be the number two on this team, what more do you need to see from love? What more could love have done uh, without maybe breaching that that fine line of balling out and creating some sort of uh, made up controversy? There won't be controversy because yeah. it's Rogers, but some sort of manufactured controversy. I, in terms of other stuff we learned, Grant, uh, going through a little bit, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, and I've been a little bit wrong on this, actually. I think we learned against Kansas City that special teams, no matter what Rich Bisaccia says or brings, or I I don't know, no matter how little media availability he has, the special teams is still a major question. Speaking of media availability, he said to the Packers beat, I don't want to be here, I want to be doing something else. Yep. But didn't he do like a bunch of barstool podcasts? How does that work? you're you're big into booking guests and bumping elbows with important people that come on Bill's show. How does that work? Explain that to me. Did they pay him a bunch of money? Not that it really matters, but I'm just curious. I thought that was funny. Money might've been part of it. Usually sure. when those things happen, you have something to promote. Like you have an actor on that has a movie yeah. coming out. So it's mutually beneficial. I don't know. I think the thing he said to the media was half a joke or partially a joke about not yeah. wanting to be there, but yeah, yeah I, I don't blame him. The special teams look so bad on Thursday. Like, what do we think here? Because there were players out there that like a lot of the roster spot, spots will be decided based on special teams like Tyler Goodson and Patrick Rogers running back three likely will come down to which can do more on special teams. But there was such a different assortment of guys out there to see what could work. I don't know what to make of it because history tells you to be scared and to be concerned. And my initial reaction when Basaccia came in was to actually not be that concerned because of his track yeah. record. I don't know what to make of, especially that Kansas City performance, but also throughout the preseason. They're just handing away yardage. You know, punt the ball. It's like, all right, we're going to give you the ball and 15 free yards of field possession. And it's every time possession changes. They're just giving away yards. And then on the flip side, every time they receive a punt or a kickoff, how hard is it to return a kickoff past the 20-yard line? If you if you return 10 kickoffs, just by luck, you should be able to get one to or past the 20, right? Yes. This, this team, it's like there's an invisible wall at the 20-yard line. They're allergic to it. I, I don't get it. It can't be that hard. And it's just, it raises the degree of difficulty when you give away 15 yards on every return and you go backwards 
or you give away yardage when you're returning a kick or a punt yourself. And I just, I think about the playoffs. It's hard enough to beat three teams in winner go home scenarios back to back to back. It's especially hard to do it when you're shooting yourself in the foot on special teams. Like you're just raising the degree of difficulty for you. So I, again, I, I watch his team and I think of the playoffs. I'm like, how is this going to kill us? I don't understand how it's still this poor. Yeah. And we'll see, we'll see how many starters actually go play special teams. Cause most of those starters were inactive throughout the preseason. I, there's time for it to change, but yeah, it's definitely uh, not an area of confidence. 877-867-1670. We will hit more on this as we go along today. What did you learn from the Packers this preseason? We're going to hear a little bit from Matt LaFleur, who spoke to the media yesterday, a lot about Jordan Love, which we'll touch on, and a lot about the special teams. And that'll weave back into uh, the overall takeaways from this preseason period. 13 days from the Packers opener against the Minnesota Vikings. Also a lot on the Brewers to come later. Eric Baranchek at 11 a.m. It's a Monday. Uh, it's a dreary Monday here in Madison, but it's a good one. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny. He is Grant Bills hanging out with you today. Bill will be back tomorrow and throughout the rest of this week as we look forward to the Wisconsin Badgers playing on Saturday, home against Illinois State, and then the Packers going on the road next week to Minnesota. The chatter, I'm sure, will return to talking about, you know, what the actual starters will look like and all that. But this is still kind of a post-football weekend and the guy under center for the Packers last week was Jordan Love and obviously that is a storyline that will persist I wanted to play a little bit of Matt LaFleur and what he had to say on Sunday about Love because I think it highlights something Uh, but first 877-867-1670 if you want to get a hold of the show what do you want to see from Jordan Love is there anything more that he did not show you during the preseason that you do want him to show you moving forward. And what did you learn overall from the Packers this preseason? So Matt LaFleur was talking uh, again with the media on Sunday, asked where Jordan Love stands after training camp. I see a lot more decisive player out there that is letting the ball rip. I think a lot of times we all get enamored by numbers. I don't think the numbers in this instance really give it a great sense of how he did. I think he graded out pretty well. Certainly, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. And, um, you know, there's a couple throws that I'm sure he would like to have back. But I thought all in all, it was definitely a step in the right direction. So a word to consider while running through this is tone. Uh, we heard Matt LaFleur, we heard Brian Gudikins throughout the offseason when talking about David Bakhtiari, you could read into the comments and hear how they were saying them, hear their tone, uh-huh. and understand yeah. that, you know, Bakhtiari's not in a great place. And that has been proven correct. So that was him on love and where he stands after training camp. LaFleur was then asked uh, on love, if he has to play this season, do you think where the Packers stand if love has to play? I think we have a lot of confidence, if need be, if he had to go in there, that absolutely could win a game. So, you know, I thought it was a really productive training camp for him. And last one real quick on Love and his productive moments uh, and whether he's shown growth. 
He looks much more fluid. I would think we can all agree with that. I think he looks much more decisive. The ball is is coming out of his hands. I don't see a whole lot of hesitation in his play. I think he's done a much better job and has a much better grasp of protections and how to adjust those and when he needs to get the ball out. Grant Bills, the the tone that Matt LaFleur is speaking in to me just to start with the preseason behind us, love won't play uh, in the best case scenario now for a while. It feels like he's he's warming up to the fact that this guy could be there long term. Well, I listened to the postgame presser last Thursday night and then played some clips on Friday too. It sounded like he was talking about his son. Like, I'm just so just so proud and you know the game started so poorly but what I loved about Jordan is that he didn't give up and he you know just shows resilience and I'm like man you don't typically hear a professional coach talk about a professional athlete this way high school yeah and maybe sometimes in college but to a lesser degree it's very it was very interesting and the tone was like you said it was glowing I think they love this guy and I think they're super excited about him and I Maybe it's just the stats don't match. What we see doesn't always match uh, the enthusiasm that LaFleur and Goody have. But but I think they don't care about the stats. They see progression behind closed doors, and they must really like him. Like I, I like Jordan Love. He's getting better, but sometimes I listen to these press conferences. I'm like, holy smokes. It sounds like you're talking about your, your firstborn son. The tone is, you're right. You're definitely onto something when you talk about the tone. Yeah, Grant, the stats, I mean, they do look bad. Three touchdowns, yeah. four picks. Like he had a three interception game and he really only played a half or three quarters of most of the games. Like the stats look bad. So I understand like there are national guys that have gone out and looked at his stat sheet and compared him to a certain quarterback in Pittsburgh that I would rather, I, I I'll say it. I'd rather have love on my team right now than Kenny Pickett in terms yeah. of a long-term quarterback, but they're comparing all the stats for them. And it just is devoid of all context of how it happened. Right. And there were even balls that love threw that were the right read and the right ball. Either the receiver didn't make a play or the receiver mm-hmm. c- broke off the other direction. I, I don't know. Just zoning in on what the quarterback has done. Uh, I've been really impressed. And yeah, it's one of those deals. I'm going to play LaFleur on special teams here in a second. Like you, you can hear it in his voice. Right. And, and this is Matt LaFleur knows what the hell he's doing. Clearly with quarterbacks, with an offense, to hear him speak like this, I, I'm not trying to go too far and say this guy is, you know, the next coming of Justin Herbert or Rodgers or Mahomes. But I like after last season and after last preseason, I was not confident in saying he was an NFL quarterback. Now I am 100 uh, percent. Did the addition of Tom Clements have something to do with that? I, I don't know. But yeah, hearing LaFleur talk about it, I, it sounds like he has also changed that stance. And when we talk about preseason takeaways, aside from roster stuff, which we'll get into, uh, that's my number one, to uh, to oppose what you just heard about love, LaFleur's tone about the special teams, Grant, uh, I'll get yeah. your reaction after I play the clips. Not so great. We certainly played a lot of guys, and that was by design. We wanted to get a good evaluation on each and every individual that could potentially contribute to our football team. So that's been a big-time emphasis. Is it where we want it to be? I think I can honestly say no. It's not where we want it to be, but I don't think any phase is at this point. Those, uh, is it good? No, it's quite bad, but I'm going to talk like it it is still the preseason. Which Played a lot of guys. Played a lot of guys by design. So, yeah, I don't really know how that impacts things. I mean, sure, you're rotating a lot of guys in and out, but. I get where he's coming from. 
I, I get where he's coming from and that it's a new year, though I get where every Packer fan in the world is coming from that it, maybe it's not a new year. Maybe this is just the exact same as it's been for, what, 20 years, 30 years. Uh, here's more love on the special teams against Kansas City. You're only as good as your last game, and, and we understand the criticism that comes with it. And this is a big boy league, and, you know, there's a lot of eyes on every player that steps out on that field. So, unfortunately, it was definitely not good enough the other night. That's for sure. I think we definitely got it taken to us pretty good by Kansas City. And finally, LaFleur on whether he is frustrated with where the special teams stand. The thing that I would like to see is just some of the things that we do in practice. You'd like to see that carry over to the game and then and not just these made up techniques that we don't coach and we don't see in practice. I think that's the most frustrating thing is when you see that or a lack of effort. So, I I mean, to me, at least, you listen to those two bunches of thoughts around two big storylines this preseason, and I, I think we could see a lot and and tell a lot based on how the coach at least is expressing himself. I think he wears his emotions on his sleeves. He's still an NFL coach. So I think there's some, uh, there's, there's a performative nature to press conferences. I think he realizes he can't be 100% honest and his tone can't be too reflective of how he actually feels. So he, you know, he's a PR arm for the organization. So we can't go out there and look depressed and say that special teams stink. It's going to be the death of the team. But I think he is more emotive than most coaches. Like, look at Bill Belichick at the podium. Like, Bill Belichick could answer a question and not give you an ounce of tone on anything. I think Lafleur is probably one of the more personable coaches. And you can almost see it in his eyes or read his face a lot of the times. And there's definitely a difference with how he talks about Jordan Love and his, his special teams. There for sure is, even if he's not doing that by design. I mean, he speaks in cliches, right? But I... Even in that, there are happy cliches and sad cliches, if you will. Like whenever he gets asked the generic questions during a practice week or during training camp, and he says, you know, take it one day at a time, one practice rep at a time, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to give you much there. But in the immediate aftermath, like last year when they lost to San Francisco, you could tell, you know, how that affected him. In the immediate aftermath of, of things happening that aren't just, how are you preparing for this? How are you preparing for that? Yeah, I think... Very, very reactive things. Yeah, no, I, I think he expresses himself more than, I don't know, maybe some people realize. 877-867-1670. What did you learn from the Packers this preseason? Where are you at on Jordan Love? I, NFL quarterback, is there more that you could have seen? I have more lessons, if you will, more things we learned. We're going to hit that next, as well as some big-time Wisconsin football injury news. That dropped this morning. Tell you what that is after the break. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. Back after this, it's the Bill Michael Show. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Bill Michaels show Monday, Wisconsin game week. Packers NFL rosters will be down to 53 men by the end of tomorrow. So that is something we're tracking. The Packers have already released linebacker Ty Summers. 
No other cuts have come, uh, but we'll get into the roster. Maybe how it could shape out, what it'll look like coming up. Uh, Grant, real quick, I have bad news. Yeah, I was going to say, did you see the news? I saw the news. Zach Heilprin, our great sports director here, made sure to let me know uh, within minutes of it being announced. The Indianapolis Colts have informed Jack Cohn that he is being released. Sad. You know what the worst part about that was? What's that? Do you watch Hard Knocks? Uh, Which season are you referring to? The current one right now. A little bit. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen some. Uh, first of all, it's terrific. The Lions are an easy mm-hmm. team to root for. At, at least they're entertaining. Agreed. But the Lions played the Colts in a in the second preseason game. So the episode that came out last week. And at the end of it, they had just faced Sam Ellinger, who was the Colts backup uh, behind Matt Ryan, who is very athletic, can run, went to Texas. I, I, I like him. Good quarterback. Could, should be a solid backup for them. Cohn has come in third in these games. Maybe fourth. I think Nick Foles might be ahead of him. But Cohn came in fourth, and as soon as he came in, all the Lions players are mic'd up, and Cohn is wearing number three. And as he enters the game, it's it's super tight. He actually threw an impressive touchdown pass to uh, tie the game. The defenders started to say, yo, everybody, everybody, number three is in the game. He can't run. And people oh. started tweeting at me. Uh, with the oh, no. uh, really unnecessary slander, because if you've watched Jack Cohn play, I he can run a little bit. Maybe not as Jack much Cohen's as Sam Ellinger. Guy. Yeah, Let's take it easy on Jack Cohn. Yeah, I mean, hopefully a practice squad somewhere. Uh, he just needs his own team. He that's, does. That's, that's the problem. The, the Colts prob- have Matt Ryan. They, they, he needs his own team. They have Fresh Nick start. Foles. I can't believe that guy's. I forget that he exists. He won a Super Bowl for your team not that long ago, and I never think about him. That's whack. That's because Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, was the Eagles offensive coordinator back then, and uh, definitely loves Foles. Foles is like a, he's a Joe Flacco these days, where you don't ever want him to play, even though Flacco will be playing for the Jets this season with Wilson out, but he's a great guy to have hanging out in the room and helping people out. 877 867-1670. You want to get to the whole of the program, do it. Let's go to line one. You're on the Bill Michaels show. Who do we got? Uh, This is Bruce. How are you guys doing? What's up, Bruce? Hey, I just got a quick complaint real quick. What is the deal with, with, what's the deal with the Odyssey app? Um, Well, I'm trying to listen to the show. It keeps cutting out. What's the deal with that? What does? anything about that? Oh, no, I do not. That is uh, download the Zone app, uh, W-O-Z-N, the Zone in Madison. It is, A, very dependable, and, B, uh, the best app to use to listen to this show. Okay, yeah, because I'm, like, I'm trying to listen in the Austin app to stay working. I got you. Yeah, the Zone app, uh, if you want to listen to the show, madcitysportszone.com, the Zone app, uh, Bill will be back tomorrow. You can obviously find it on YouTube and Twitch and, and all of those great uh, destinations. So uh, Grant, let's, let's get back to the Packers here uh, for a bit. The cone thing happened. I don't want to dwell on it. You know, did I dwell you on do? Let's let's be honest before we move on. You could do the next hour on this. You could do an hour on Jack Cohen being released. Couldn't you? Yes, uh, no doubt. I was going to say, but <laughs> I'm also very aware. I know what people like. I know yes. what they don't like. They don't necessarily like me talking about a quarterback that played three years ago. Uh, I've gotten into some dust-ups over how often in the past I had talked about him. 
when he was still in college. But I Packers preseason, what else do we learn? I had a bunch of other bullet points. This is going to play into us talking with Eric Baranchek at 11 and about mm-hmm. the roster as a whole. You mentioned it off the top, and I agree with you completely. We learned that some rookies can really play. Dobbs is an obvious one. He flashed. Uh, inconsistent, yep. had a couple drops, but y- you saw at least the flash we heard about in training camp. Quay Walker felt like he was playing I kind of... He was playing safe in a way like his speed his athleticism. He could go be a game wrecker. He wasn't really doing that. He didn't flash. But every time you saw him in the open field or uh, near a play, the play was always made. So for a guy that's coming around and it starts slow, uh, I've seen everything from Quay Walker. I need to believe that he's going to be a really good NFL player. Zach Tom, as I mentioned, uh, just looks so good. That shouldn't surprise us at all. The one big question mark next to a rookie is that, I have been thoroughly unimpressed with Devontae Wyatt thus far. Uh, hmm. Well, I don't, I, I'm not going to jump in the ring here and defend Devontae Wyatt. It's not like I, I, I think the tough part for him is he plays defensive line and the Mike Renners of the world. I think I saw Mike Renner tweeting about this not that long ago. It's really hard to come in and contribute as a defensive lineman as a rookie. Not impossible, but difficult. And Devontae Wyatt also showed up to the Green Bay Packers defensive line the one year in the last decade where they all of a sudden have other defensive linemen. Right. Like they got Reed and they got and they got Slayton and the, the other guy. I mean, Heflin, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark. They're not all superstars, but they actually have a, a list of guys who can contribute at that position. Whereas if Devontae Wyatt would have been drafted two or three years ago, he'd probably just be their second best lineman by default. Right. So I think it's a combination of things. Hard to contribute as a rookie, although he's older. So you'd like to think maybe he contribute a little more, but hard to contribute as a rookie. And it's just a really deep position. Yeah, I, that was the big thing for me with when you compare Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Quay Walker, I kind of needs to step in like he's the starter there next to Campbell. Devontae Wyatt yep. doesn't need to, uh, which is definitely good for his development. But just in terms, I mean, we talk about the eye test when it comes to the preseason, like Romeo Dobbs completely passes the eye test. I thought Jordan Love did as well. Zach Tom does. Quay Walker does. Uh, Even Rasheed Walker in that Chiefs game looked terrific. The seventh round pick from Penn State. But yeah, Yeah. Devontae Wyatt was the one guy where I was like, I don't know, not there yet. Uh, But yeah, long way to go and it's not necessary, which is definitely good news. 877-867-1670. If you want to get a hold of the show. This is something I've been thinking about for a while, Grant, and you tell me if I'm a crazy person. So I will throughout the preseason. I think we learned that the wide receiver core, while not great at the top is quite deep. Like Samori Torre showed a lot against the chiefs Dobbs. As I mentioned, Juwan Winfrey looked good in that first game. And then Amari Rogers on Thursday, probably played his best game of a as a pro. You know who he reminds me of? You know who I think he will be for this team? Maybe um, next year or the year after. Can you give me a clue? Is this someone I could guess or not? No. You can definitely guess it, but I think I would give it away if I tried to give a clue. Okay. Then hit me with it. He's Ty Montgomery. Dude. Yes. Yes. I'm going to have something great to add. You make your case, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and add. I love this. So love this comp. It's going to come around slow, and... He looked solid returning kicks. Uh, He flashed a bit there, but in the way that the Packers can deploy him 
They were lining him up in the backfield. He's taken handoffs out of the backfield. He can also run routes. It's a guy that was a running back as early as, I believe, late in high school and then gets to Clemson and is a wide receiver there. His build and his body and his skill set just screams Ty Montgomery. Maybe I he will be a more efficient Ty Montgomery or can stick around for a little longer, but I've been very down on Amari Rodgers generally with how the room looks and everything, but I, that Chiefs game kind of changed my thoughts because it wasn't only him out there on the sideline and in the boundary trying to get open, but it was him just with the ball in his hands making a play. So I'm in on Amari Rodgers. Two things. Should I do my Amari Rodgers thing and then my Ty Montgomery thing, or should I do Ty Montgomery as a disclaimer before I do Amari Rodgers? I think it's up to you. I want to hear the Ty Montgomery thing. Oh, okay. I brought this up on my show for like two years now. I believe that Ty Montgomery got kind of a raw deal. And I think if you play Ty Montgomery's career like 10 times, I think his career panned out as like one of the worst outcomes. Early injury, then he had to switch positions, but he was okay at it. But then the team got bad. So he had to like, I think Ty Montgomery, I think his career went south and I think this is one of my favorite exercises if you play a player's career 10 times was the career one of the best outcomes or one of the worst I think Ty Montgomery's career played out very poorly and it could have gone a million different ways and I think most of those ways are are better so I'm a I'm a Ty Montgomery supporter I know he brought out that kickoff one time and fumbled against the Rams so that's my Ty Montgomery thing my Amari Rogers thing I brought this up on Friday I'm not opposed to keeping Amari Rogers on the roster as the third running back doesn't mean you need to use him as a running back all the time. But why not keep Amari Rodgers? Because I don't really love Goodson or Patrick Taylor or whatever. So you keep Amari Rodgers as your third running back, and that gives you the space to sneak our Nebraska brother in Christ, Samari Toure, onto the roster. (laughs) Or Jawan Winfrey, if you want. Like I'm just thinking of, we want the best 53, Ben. We want the best 53. And I'm not sure that keeping a third running back that's not Amari Rogers is a way to get the best 53. I literally talked about this on Friday. Wow. Amari Rogers is your third running back. It intrigues me. I think if it comes down to it and injuries happen, which very unlikely you will get down to number three acting as a one. I think if it came down to it, I would trust Amari Rogers with the ball more in that setting than Goodson or Patrick Taylor. Though I love Tyler Goodson, uh, not as an every down back, but as more of a change of pace guy, I mean, Amari Rogers is making this roster. He's probably their starting kick returner, uh, but I, I'm not against that. I don't know. I, I would weigh whether I want to keep Toure or uh, Patrick Taylor or Tyler Goodson, yeah. which it sucks because it all comes down to special teams. So can I sit here and say that, you know, Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson, I watched this much of them blocking on the boundary on special teams. No, I can't right? Like most of what we see from them is actually in offensive sets. So it's going to come down to something aside from what they can do at the position. But I, I don't disagree with it. I mean, as time goes on and I, he already looks Amari Rogers does different from year one to year two. Like he looks faster. He looks more agile. I imagine that only improving as he gets deeper in and, and he's pretty young still. Uh, So, I mean, if he can become a guy that you just put the ball in his hands and, and he makes it happen, like he's he's 22. He left early from from Clemson. It's not like he came into the league as a 24, 25 year old. So, uh, I mean, he was completely written off last year. Uh, 
if it came down to it, but yeah, I'm with you. AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones together is the one, two, and then throw some Amari Rogers looks. I also just uh, literally last night drafted him in a dynasty league. Nice. Because uh, it was one of those things where if he pans out, I'm going to look like a genius. And yeah, uh, I think he'll get lots of touches. Um, I, he made a couple of, or at least one catch I remember on Thursday going over the middle where Jordan Love threw it in a tight window and Amari Rogers kind of came back to the ball a little bit and went and got it. That was a really good sign. Do you have 30 seconds for me to throw out just something I, I, I thought about on my drive home yesterday? I saw a tweet and I saved it. I was thinking about it on the drive. Uh, vis-a-vis slot receiver. Cole Beasley is just no. tweeting up a storm. Oh. About how he still has the skill and I, I kind of agree with him. If you add Cole Beasley to this Packers team, is he their best slot wide receiver right now? I'm going to answer that when we come back and yeah, give my give my other thoughts on If uh, it's just Cole no and then you move on, don't do that to me. Don't, <laughs> no. don't do me dirty like that. Uh, that. That will not be the answer, but I have okay. one. We'll hit that when we come back. Eric Baranchek joining us at 11. A lot to get to today. I'm Ben Kenny. He's Grant Bills. In for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers hold practice today. Tomorrow is the deadline to get to 53 players on the roster by 3 p.m. Running back Tyler Goodson averaged over four yards per carry and looked great on a 24-yard touchdown run last week against the Chiefs. I feel pretty good. Um, I feel like I put myself in a good position. Not for just uh, this team. Hopefully, I do stay on this team. Uh, This is where I want to be, but... I think I did good for all other teams just looking at the tape as well. As my future keeps going and as my career keeps going, hopefully I get better and better. On defense, the Packers released linebacker and special teams player Ty Summers, head coach Matt LaFleur. It was a tough decision, but wanted to give Ty an opportunity kind of before the wave of cuts to, to find a home. Certainly, we appreciate everything that he's done here. And first and foremost, he's a hard worker and a great teammate. And so it's always tough when you have to let somebody like that go. And there's a lot of tough decisions that are going to be made over the next couple of days. Summers was a seventh round pick out of TCU back in 2019. My whole history, my whole life has always been about competing. I've never had it easy, you know, which I feel like even being pushed growing up with my dad was he played at Howard Payne University. And so for me, I looked up to that, you know, and I wanted to be like him. And he always pushed me to get to this level. And whether it was like dealing with injuries or dealing with guys that are just elite next to me that I have to compete with, it always forced me to have to reach another level and to improve my game. So I feel like that was a big aspect leading into this situation here. It's the same thing. You know, everyone's great, and we're all here competing for a job. That's former Packers linebacker Ty Summers. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michaels Show. Bill Michaels Show. That is the great Mike Clemens with the update. All of his appearances on this show brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable Go to baymotelgreenbay.com. Grant, uh, we were talking about Cole Beasley, and you asked if he would be right now the best slot receiver on this Packers team. I think my answer would be yes. However, right? However, he would play there instead of Randall Cobb. Mm -hmm. And the question isn't who is the better receiver to me. It's who would Rodgers connect with with the football more? Right. Like we talk about the, we talk about the rookie receivers, but even bringing in a, a free agent this late in the process, 
Cole Beasley has proven to be a pretty good player. Would that rapport be there instantly? That's my question. You don't, you don't think they'd have a nice rapport? I think they'd bond right from the get-go. They personally. would. Yes, yes, they would. Uh, Off the field, they'd bond. I, I think that translate onto the field pretty quickly. Good point. Good point. Uh, we don't have to touch it. It's fine. We can move on. No, we'll get into more of that coming up. We'll talk about the receiver room, what it could look like uh, come tomorrow night, come week one. A lot of roster stuff. We're going to step away, though. Joining us next, Eric Baranchek, Green Bay Press Gazette, to break down the preseason. Talk to us about the Packers roster. We'll be back in a few. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.